available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. We got a good show for you today. It's a short turnaround, so we don't have as many questions. But my esteemed colleague, David Woods, uh, tweeted out, and uh, asking for a few questions, and we got a lot of weird responses. So we're gonna have to we have some weird tweets to go through, David. And uh, do you have any email? We've got a lot to sift through, quest- Ryan. A lot to sift. Through. Yeah, we got to sift through all those, and there's some weird ones. We got a Twitter fight going on between Washington and Arizona State fans. So we'll get to all that. But um, if you want to email us and send us a question for next week's show, Paxwell Podcast at gmail.com is the email address. Or if you'd like to call or text us, you can do that. By gut into your phone, dialing uh, 424-532-0678. Leave us a voicemail or send us a text. We do love to hear from you. Over your phones, you can tweet us at Pac-12Podcast on our website, which looks a little different now. David did some tweaks to it, Pac-12Podcast.com. We're going to try to do a few blurbs. We'll get our intern Micah to uh, do a little, you know, do some writing on there, not just listening on the uh, Pac-12Podcast.com. So we might have a... Some information, you might want to check that out every once in a while, David. That's that's always fun, but we, we haven't done much writing up there. And by much, <laughs> I would actually uh, venture to say none. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's some words that go along with each episode. But oh, that's true. That's true. That's about true. two sentences. There's a few words. A few, yeah, exactly. Who knows? They're more like random uh, got, words. They don't really make sense when you read them all together, but whatever. That's what we do. No. They, they never do. And um, frankly, the words that we say don't really make sense at all contained together. <laughs> um, we, we got a couple of new uh, reviews on iTunes. Oh, yeah. We do what, you know, if you can leave us some positive feedback, a five-star rating is always awesome. And uh, you guys have been doing it. So this is awesome that you guys keep doing it each week. So what do we got this week, Dave? All right. This is from Taintality. <clears throat> Two Hipsters Football Podcast Review. And bear in mind, again, this is a five-star review. Two SoCal homers talk Pac-12 football and almost know what they are talking about. If you listen to the show at half speed, they sound as drunk as you need to be to fully enjoy the commentary. (laughs) They are good at picking against the spread by using the non-conference cupcake games to pad their stats. Five out of seven. Keep up the good work. But again, I love it. Um, So I'm a hipster somehow? Is that... Yeah, I don't. I, it seems right. Go with it. Would you be a hipster, um, or are you like? I would not. I would not self-describe as a hipster. No. Yeah. Um, um, maybe there is that even I, still a thing. Are hipsters still a thing? I hipster might be a thing. I don't. I do. Uh, I, I've enjoyed a, a Manny Petty from time to time. Would that put me in the hipster category? I no, don't, I don't think that's hipster. I think that's more like. Um, I don't know what that goes under these days. Is that metro? The, is correct. it or is metrosexual? Is yeah, but not? I don't know if I don't know if that's the correct terminology anymore. Yeah. I I don't know. That might We're offend people too somehow. So I don't know. 
who knows? Who knows? But I will say we got another review. Are you ready for this yeah, one? Yeah, ready. This is from Pocahontas Smith. Uh, subject line, perfect for that 10-hour flight to Chongqing. And then the rest of it is in what I can only assume is Chinese. Wow. Yeah. Um, like Mandarin or Cantonese, which one? Uh, see, that's that's where I that's where I, I I mean it's tough to say. Um, it's certainly a script that looks very pretty. Yeah. Okay. It's some kind of cool kanji that we could never understand. Right. Right. Okay. But anyway, thank you uh, again for the uh, for an international uh, review there. We love those. Nice. Um, and it, was it five stars as well? Oh yes. Oh Perfect. yes. Five stars. Five stars. Inter- that's all we care about. Again, insult us. Do whatever you want. Leave that five star. And other podcasts I listen to, they ask people to share. So, like, hit, you know, hit the share button if you have other friends. You know, this is it's not very exclusive. Like, if you know someone else that likes, you might like Washington, and your friend likes Oregon State or something. Just let them know. Hey, uh, this is a pretty cool Pac-12 podcast, or you don't have to say pretty cool, whatever you want to say. Uh, but let them know, and uh, we you know grow the community. It's been growing even in the off season, which is great, and we do appreciate you guys. Uh, come along with our little journey so looking forward to another fun year covering uh pac-12 football yep and we are ramping up now well sort of it's still june but like we like to think we're ramping up now with the season at least vaguely on the horizon now ryan it's only two months away it's exactly can, two months from today arizona will be playing football you can sniff it it's like that close um, yeah it's like the onset of rain you know how you can sometimes smell that rain coming that's what this is yeah uh, I'm going to be go- do- taking a European uh, vacation later in July. I'm wondering if there's going to be some like crazy way to do a show or something. Maybe a short one. I don't know. It might be nutty. Uh, we Or we might take a little time off. I'm not sure. But I, I, No, no, no. We definitely have to record a show with you like live from a beer garden in <laughs> Munich. <laughs> That's good. I'm going to be in uh, mostly Scotland and Ireland. So one of those two countries. Oh, that's not, from. Yeah, I'm sure the Wi-Fi is great. We'll be fine. Yeah, like you're in some castle I'm sure in the you'll countryside. Wa- I'm and- sure you'll want to. Yeah, you'll want to spend some time on your nice vacation. Um, you know, recording a podcast. Right, right, right. But uh, just you know, just let people know it's going ahead. But you know, it should be really interesting. I think uh, going forward, there's all little newsy things happening. Just still little bits here and there. Um, but one came across my timeline earlier. Today, David, and uh, it was a tweet. It was a USA Today story, um, and basically, what it was saying was uh, the NCAA was pleading with California, asking California to uh, postpone this bill. They have a bill that's going on right now that would basically um, allow college athletes in the state to earn compensation for the use of their own name, image, or likeness, and that would start. In 2023. So the bill did pass the state Senate last month overwhelmingly. And now the NCAA is kind of seeing what could happen here. So uh, it was a letter uh, to the chairs of the two state assembly committees last week that Mark Emmert implied, this is from the, the USA Today article, if the bill becomes law as it's written, California schools could face the prospect of being prohibited from participating in NCAA championships. So that's there's 23 NCAA Division I schools in California, four of which, as you know, Cal, Stanford, USC, UCLA, in the Pac-12 conference. So I thought that was pretty interesting, especially considering three of those schools, uh, Stanford, UCLA, and USC, 
have the most NCAA championships of any program in the country. So the NCAA NCAA is basically saying, hey, the three most successful programs we have, you're not going to be able to participate potentially if this bill passes. It seems like a wildly empty threat from the NCAA. Um, I'm sure they're scared um, what this will mean for their horrific model. Um, But uh, I think California, I mean, they shouldn't listen to NCAA at all. None Um, none of the California school. I think they should exercise some actual courage here and just say, nope, we're going to go forward with what our actual laws say (laughs) um, and and do this. I mean, first, it's the right thing to do. These kids need to get paid for the work they're... Well, if they're, you know, if they're good enough, they need to get paid for what they're doing, right? They need to, you know, the, like anybody else, um, if if your if your work has value, uh, you should be able to market it and sell it, and uh, especially make money off your likeness. Um, that's an obvious point. Um, but letting the NCAA, I mean, while they review it, what is there? What is there for them to review? Um, and maybe this, if California just says no, we're going to do this regardless. Uh, maybe the NCAA then has to actually make sweeping changes. I think um, the California schools are in a really good position here to make real change because it's not like Idaho did this. Right. Um, it's, I mean, California has probably, I mean, obviously um, at the Division One level, the most championships of any state. Um, but, I mean, th- throughout the whole thing, I mean, when you factor in all of the uh, Olympic sport championships that all these schools have won. I mean, it's big in so many different sports, football, basketball, obviously, but down all the way through that, um, yeah, I don't think they can afford to just say, oh, California's, everyone in California is ineligible for all this stuff. I don't think that uh, does anything for them. So, no, I think this is a great opportunity for uh, for all student athletes, actually. Yeah, I think this is like the California, you, you know, when you have, it's sort of like you're going to rock in a hard place. You're going to root for politicians. You're going to root for the NCAA. But in this case, I think you're rooting for California politicians and hoping that they keep going forward with this. And if a guy like KJ Costello can make some extra money because of his likeness, he should be able to do that, like you said. And this is sort of forcing, you know, putting the NCAA's feet to the fire. And, you know, who knows? Maybe it is a catalyst towards some sort of break off. I don't think there's going to be any way you could exclude Cal Stanford, UCLA, USC, plus, you know, you got other programs like, you know, Cal State Fullerton that could win, you know, the baseball national chain. Like there's other programs that are really good at what they do also. And if you look at the, I think the Pac-12 won like 12 more championships. I don't know. I saw a tweet about it. And uh, like, I think Utah won like skiing and like Colorado won um, like women's cross country. But all of those four California Pac-12 schools won national championships, at least one this year. So the majority of the the Pac-12 championships came from those California schools. So this would never fly. Like, there's no way you could exclude California schools from the NCAA. You're, you're, you know, the Pac-12's now won, I think, 526 championships. And like 326 of them or something that along those lines are from the California schools. Maybe 350, I don't know, something more than that. So... It, there's no way that something like this could happen, but maybe it does force the NCAA to make some kind of changes to those crazy, you know, amateurism laws and, and force this along. So I'm, you know, you're rooting for the a politician or the NCAA. We're rooting for politicians in this one. No, we are the podcast of the people. We are rooting for the kids. Yeah, that's what we're rooting for, Ryan. Well, the, the politicians are on the kids' side here, so we're rooting for them. We're, we're the people that can help the kids. No, no, that that's incidental. That's incidental. Oh, yeah. We're rooting for the kids in all ways. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. 
we'll see what happens there. When's the vote? Um, but it passed the Senate 31 to 4. So it seems like this is sort of uh, bipartisan. Everyone seems it makes sense, you know. Um, and it wouldn't kick in until 2023 anyway. Right. So. So, but that, you know, gives you kind of time to, uh, to you know, get through this stuff. But, yeah, I thought that was, you know, when I saw that tweet, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, this is where the, it's like just they're trying anything. It's like a desperate attempt to just keep power as long as possible because you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, it can't go on forever the way they've been doing this. It's just not It's – it's got to end at some point. Yeah. Well, I've got a question for you, Ryan. Yeah. Um, will I still be able to do this show with you when UCLA makes its way over to the ACC? I was thinking about that. Uh, makes a lot of sense, you know. Um, you know, geography, uh, you know, the, the way the UCLA basketball program has been performing lately. I, it just mm-hmm. makes a lot of the, sense the way, to me. The way time zones work. <laughs> like, I think there's a lot of really good rationale. So this was an insane note. What was it in? Was it in something Wilner wrote? Uh, it came from, I forget where it came from, but there was like an actual like UCLA logo that someone put on this. It was like a tweet that I saw earlier this morning from, was it Casey Wasserman that was like looking at Yeah, Casey Wasserman. So the, the, sorry, we don't have a credit because we're bad at our jobs more me than Ryan. Cause I actually did read this in the original source material. So I have no excuse. Um, but it was reported that you, uh, Casey Wasserman, UCLA's big benefactor, um, has, has been floating the idea of UCLA moving to the ACC because um, he has certain strategic partnerships, I think, with the ACC itself. He's on like um, an advisory board or something for them. Like he's he's yeah. involved like in a, you know, in a real way with the ACC. Right. And um, uh, yeah. And Under Armour is located out there. Uh, like their main headquarters, is, I think, is in Maryland. Um, so yeah. there's some reasons uh, for, I guess, UCLA in like this insane uh, hypothetical to do it, but I, I just want to get this out there. UCLA will never be joining the <laughs> ACC. Like, not in a million years will UCLA be an ACC school. Um, until the ACC encompasses all 130 teams in Division One. it will not be an ACC school. Um, but I do think it's interesting, and, and floating that sort of thing, I wonder how much of that is... Um, UCLA, or maybe just, and maybe it's a sign of other schools doing it too, but maybe trying to put a little bit of pressure on the Pac-12, um, you know, just something out there like, hey, you know, this isn't necessarily the best deal for us anymore. Um, so I don't know if it was meant to be public, um, but that little note got in there. So I always wonder if there's a little bit of a strategy behind that. I I think that's great. Another awesome move. Like you, you feel the Pac-12 is doing a terrible job. Do something like this, and I thought I thought USC should have done it for a long time. You know, it's 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 not likely that you're going to see LA schools or anybody else kind of leave. Uh, you know, maybe you know the Big Twelve, you know, takes the Arizona schools or something. But anyone that has the clout and the power, like the Arizona schools, are attractive to maybe the LA schools or the Arizona. I mean, or for the from the Big Twelve, the Arizona schools could be attractive. USC, UCLA could be attractive. Um, you know, there's independent routes, there's UCLA going the ACC, whatever it is, just showing the Pac-12 and Larry Scott, hey, there's a potential out there. Um, there's greener pastures. You better get better at your job. Otherwise, we're going to look into these things. And it's going to be really hard for you to sell a piece of the conference or, um, you know, 
sign another huge $5 million a year deal if you lose UCLA or USC or the Arizona schools, something like that. So I think it helps the entire conference if any programs, like if if Washington and Oregon were going to look at joining the Big 12, whatever it was, if there's some, the more powerful programs are expressing their you know displeasure with how things are going and like, hey, we can go somewhere else. Um, I think that can only help the entire conference. I, it doesn't seem like any of that's going to happen, like any teams leave or something like that. But I've always said just the threat of it could you know, invoke some kind of change. And I think you need that. So this is great. I, I didn't think UCLA would be the first one like out there, like in a you know somewhat public way or whatever, but it's interesting. And uh, I'm, I'm glad something like that came out there. We'll see if it does anything. And maybe the people that are looking to buy, you know, a stake in the PAC 12 are like, well, well, what happens if UCLA leaves, you know? Um, and like Larry Scott, like, no, no, they'll never leave. They'll never leave. But well, there's a reason that they're, you know, looking why would they even be looking around? You know, do we want to buy a piece of this? So I, I think it, it's good. I think it's good just to at least get that out there and be talked about like, Hey, this isn't the only option for all these programs. Yep. All right. And then, um, our man, John Cazano, um, Cazano is, um, is, uh, being a little skeptical of, um, of Oregon's decision to agree to play Auburn in the 2019 opener. Uh, quote from his recent story, down deep this game on August 31st at AT&T Stadium in Arlington looks dumb in so many ways. Huh. Agree or disagree, Ryan? See, I disagree. Um, you know, last year it was, I think it was a big deal that Washington played Auburn. Now, yeah, you can lose the game. Washington did, and it's sort of like, bury the entire conference for the rest of the season, right? I mean, it didn't really help. I think if Oregon goes out and loses to Auburn, it it's going to do something similar. You know, now I know Washington's still the favorite, but Oregon's the hot hyped team in the Pac-12, the team that, you know, that was recruited so well and top 5 class and everyone's talking about. And if they go on the road and and lose to Auburn or, you know, go in the neutral site and lose to Auburn, yeah, I think it puts it kind of taints the the entire season for the conference yet again, but I think going through and playing Eastern Washington and a couple of other crappy schools and and then going to the Pac-12 play for Oregon really wouldn't do a whole lot. I think you can go to Atlanta and and beat Auburn and kind of, you know, it's, it's a flower in your cap or whatever. It's something that's going to be good for the entire conference. I think it's needed. So I, I haven't read, I got to read Canzano's piece on this or listen to his show on it, but for me, I think you need those sort of things. You know, yeah, it sucks if you lose them, but the Pac-12 has been losing a lot. You got to turn around and win some. So you get a win like that. I think that's something that you can actually, uh, you know, hang your hat on a little bit. Yeah, I, and I think that's right. And also, I mean, it's not like they're not they're not loading up with a Stanford or a USC or a UCLA typical schedule. It's Oregon against Auburn, and then it's Nevada and Montana after yeah. that. Like. Look, I mean, at, at a certain point, you've got to beat some teams. Like, you've got to beat somebody. And, yeah, maybe it would have been better to structure it so Auburn is the third game in that sequence instead of the first. I'll buy that. And from a scheduling perspective, I think maybe these true neutral sites aren't, you know, ideal, especially since that you get – it's a neutral site, but inevitably what happens with Pac-12 schools and neutral sites is that they end up being tilted towards the other team because all the neutral sites are – you know, either Texas or further beyond. Um, so, yeah, I kind of get that. Like, I would have, if this was a home and home, though, 
and you could schedule it on the 14th of September instead of August 31st, I have no problem with it. I yeah. would just quibble a little bit with the location and the schedule. And I think you want to schedule some of these now because there could be Vegas games or LA games. And if Oregon's like, Hey man, we came out to Atlanta and played you, or we came to Dallas or whatever. Um, now you can come to the West coast and play one there. So it's almost like a home and home. I don't know. Maybe that helps, but uh, I, for me, yeah. Is it ideal? Maybe not, but I think it's necessary. Like you need games like that. The Pac-12 has to make sure that there's some relevancy there and there hasn't been. So only by beating teams like that, are you going to, you know, become more relevant? So I think it's important. Oregon's the team that everyone's talking about. Go out and beat a, you know, Auburn team. That's not considered a favorite to win the sec. You know um, what are they, what would you pick Auburn? You know, they're going to be behind Alabama. They'll be behind Georgia. Um, probably behind LSU. Like they're, you know, they're going to be like a middle up upper middle uh SEC team most likely you know yeah but you just you just rattled off three top 5 teams i mean LSU returns i was looking at it they returned something like 20 starters from last year and i'm not kidding wow um they're going to be my my pick for next year is that LSU is going to shock some people if Ed O even has any idea what he's doing which eh, who knows <laughs> um but but Georgia Bama and LSU are all top 5 teams i think Auburn i mean their makeup They'll probably be at the, again, it's like at the level of, um, they didn't, obviously, I finished the year last year, I think, ranked number six, but they were a top 10 team by quality. It's just they play in a tough league. Yeah. Um, so, no, I think Auburn Auburn's going to be a tough out okay. next year. I mean, they return a ton of their defense. Um, the offense has some more question marks. They I think they have a new quarterback coming in. Um, and uh, the, the receiving core is, I think, all new from what I was reading, but... Um, it's still going to be a team that, you know, has a really, really strong defense. And, you know, Malzahn, for all the, the, the knocks he get, he's really not had a bad team there. So, Well, I would say, like, Oregon's in the top tier of the Pac-12, and Auburn would be, like, that second tier. It's still very high because the SEC is so good. But that's not a – I don't think that's a game you need to shy away from. Like, you have to – No, you know. it's a game Oregon can win. I mean, it was a game that Washington could have won last year, too. Yeah, should have um, won last so year. So I don't think it's – should have won. Um, so yeah. I don't think it's out of the out of the realm of possibility for them to do it. All right. Uh, speaking of Washington, little news, DJ Beavers. Uh, so he retired from football after spring practice. Uh, just his body wore out. So he actually played about five games, I think five games the last two years. And, you know, both of them limited because of injuries. He just had kind of a handful of tackles and stuff. So, uh, but he's going to retire. So I believe he was a junior or maybe he was going into a senior year. Maybe he was a junior last year, but uh, just the news there, medical uh, retirement for DJ Beavers for the for the Huskies. But he wasn't like a huge contributor or anything, so I don't think it's that big of a deal. No, but I uh, hope he does well in whatever he else he chooses yeah. to do. Um, and then there's a interesting nugget on Stanford from SB Nation's uh, season previews. Got to give a shout out here. Uh, Bill Connolly, who I always reference on uh, when I'm talking about the advanced stats, he does exhaustive 130 team previews every offseason going team by team by team all through the top uh, the 130 teams in FBS but he had to actually stop because he got a new job um, but he had uh, just finished the Pac-12 when he finished so um, his Stanford preview had this note uh, over the last five years uh, they are 9 and 17 against teams that finished with nine or more wins and 39 and two against everyone else which is kind of classic beating who you should and more or less losing to who you shouldn't beat. Yeah. That nine yeah. and 17 record though is pretty, 
You would think it'd be better than that. You know, it's not like you're playing. I mean, I'll take that 39 and two against everyone else all day long. Right. I mean, you're racking up. I mean, the the thing that, that kind of kills a lot of coaches is losing those games that they shouldn't a lot. Um, and uh, Stanford doesn't do that. They don't beat themselves as nearly as much. And, uh, you know, 9 and 17 on the surface looks pretty bad. But, you know, a lot of that is they're playing against damn good teams. Um, so you'll, you'll, you'll rack up some losses. Now, would you like that closer to 500 or a little bit above? Sure. Um, but that's still, that's still, I think on balance, that's good. I mean, that's, yeah. what is that? 48 and 19. Yeah. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> um, for, so Bill Connolly hasn't announced where he's going yet, right? No, no. I think he, he was, he was going to announce either today or tomorrow. Yeah. I saw, I, I don't listen to the, the podcast. Don't play nobody or ain't play. What is it? Podcast ain't play nobody. What is it called? Podcast ain't played nobody. Yeah. But okay. Ain't played nobody. Yeah. Um, I listen to it every once in a while, but they, yeah, I listened to at least the first part of it where he kind of announced he was, uh, well, he was going somewhere, but he wasn't saying where, and they're going to relaunch that podcast in August. So they're going to kind of retool yeah. it. But I guess him and, is it Stephen Godfrey? I think that they were, yeah. they, they did that one together. Um, yep. I, f- I follow him. We follow each other on Twitter, but I don't, I don't know a lot about Stephen, but I started kind of, you know, reading into a little bit more of him, but like, and I still don't, I haven't like dove into the S and P plus and all that kind of stuff. I use it every once in a while. And I get, you know, I, I kind of understand a little bit more when people talk about it, but it is really interesting kind of what he uh, brings to the table, just basically created his own thing. And uh, a lot of people use it now and we'll see what his new job, maybe more people use it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I don't know what form his new job is going to take, but it should be very interesting. Yeah. Um, there was one tidbit from, uh, this was from the wall street journal and it's behind the paywall, but we just have a couple of notes from it. Um, so the, you know, with the whole, uh, varsity blues scandal, the university of California, um, the whole university of California, not just Cal and UCLA, they are apparently fortifying their admissions processes um, processy, processy, uh, among the plan changes, make sure that recruited athletes can actually play on the team. So, um, that's kind of interesting. Uh, you, you wouldn't think that would need to be said, but apparently it does. So, uh, the university of California is actually taking steps to do that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, that whole scandal is so stupid. Yeah. It was pretty dumb. Um, and you know, Pat Hayden kind of got, I don't know if we mentioned this last time, so USC's former athletic director, uh, Donna Heinel, is the only member of an athletic department that was caught up in the FBI sting. Everyone else was like coaches and stuff. And so hers was more of a systematic approach at USC. And, and Pat Hayden had given her a lot of power. The former USC athletic director made her number three in the department uh, between him, be, be, uh, behind himself and Steve Lopes. But she basically had all say when it came to letting athletes in that would be potential walk-on. So I've talked to like the football people and they're like, yeah, if we wanted to get a walk-on in, we had to bring it to her. Like she was the only person in charge of that, which is kind of one of those reasons why maybe you don't have former football players with no administrative experience run an athletic department because on the surface, that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You have one person that's controlling everything as far as all sports, not just football. Um, so his name got thrown around like a week or so ago again, or, or t- for the first time, and like his son-in-law made some kind of statement on his behalf, but um, it it probably is not going to look good for him. And Donna Heinel might have 
you know, kind of sung and, and, and turned through him under the bus a little bit. So there could be more people involved in this. So it's the uh, varsity blue scandal isn't going away and they they might bring in some bigger names like a, like a Pat Hayden. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very kind cool. of interesting. And I saw, uh, Oh, go ahead. Do you want, no, if you were going to release real it, quick. Do it. Um, yeah, I saw a tweet from, uh, from Scott Wolf, who doesn't really cover USC anymore. He's not with the, uh, uh, the daily news, but he's still, he, I guess he's still doing his blog and stuff. Um, but he, he's been covering USC for a very long time. And he's just kind of, uh, uh, overly snarky, uh, dude on Twitter, but he tweeted out that the, uh, the PAC 12 bought an ad in the New York times trying to tout its accomplishments. Um, and the ad talks about the winningest, it says the winningest conference in the country, and the Pac-12 has had, led the nation in NCAA championships for 14 straight years. And they show all these like Olympic sports and stuff. But there's so the ad has no mention of football or basketball in it. So um, I thought that was, a you know, kind of one of his snarkiest tweets. But it, I think it made sense. So I, I don't know if you saw that one, Dave. Yeah, waste of, waste of money uh, first. What do you what? Why? Why is there a Pac-12 print ad in the, in the New York Times? First, Why? <laughs> Second, if you're going to do that, I mean, even if your football and basketball teams suck ass, which they do, that's the only one anyone cares about who's going to be reading your tweet or reading your um, advertisement anyway. Yeah. So, stupid. Waste of money. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Um, all right. Well, I think those are the only newsy topics we had. Do you want to go to your tweet that you were soliciting uh, feedback from and unfortunately got it today? Or what would you like? Yeah, it got so much. Um why don't we start with the tweets and then we can move to the emails? Okay. All right. You ready? Yeah. I'm going to start with, uh, looks like JM at Joe Whitener um, uh, about four hours ago. <clears throat> if you had offers to all 12 schools in this day and age, which would you pick and why? Interesting. Um, yeah. And then this Sanford. is this is the one that started the whole. Um, controversy where like a Washington guy came in and showed some graph that proved that Washington was like the greatest college football program in the history of college football. And then people are like, no, that's bull crap. And what are you doing? So um, I would probably go Stanford as well. No, I mean, it's not a probably I would definitely <laughs> go with Stanford. I wouldn't think twice about it. Um, that's just it. That's the answer to the question. Let's move. All right. On. So we don't need to go into their big debate, right? No, not okay. at all. Um, sorry, Dennis. I know you have a whole thing about developing into an NFL draft pick, but there's this whole thing about going to Stanford um, <laughs> that is like, oh, well, I'll go become an iBanker banker and make you know 150 million dollars as some you know blood sucking CEO in 20 years. It's great, great nice. life. Um, blood sucking right, CEO. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, they you're are. Just, you're so they, down they, on capital. They probably capital. literally do. They probably they probably <laughs> harvest. They probably harvest the blood of the young to maintain youth, right? Huh. At this point, yeah, I would. Come on, so, if you could. yeah, who wouldn't? <laughs> um, all right, this is from at Dennis underscore BDTW. I had a dream the other night that UCLA had a stadium on campus and won a national title. I know this sounds like a joke, but it's not. I really did. Do you have the same real life dreams, or are they both impossibilities? I don't remember a lot of my dreams, um, and I definitely don't have like awesome you know like oh i can fly and you know like i don't have dreams where like you're like some amazing thing or this awesome thing that happened um i hardly remember usually they're kind of weird but i certainly have not dreamt that ucla 
created an on-campus stadium or won a national title. I don't. You might have, Dave, though. No, I like to keep my dreams reality based <laughs> um, to at least some extent, like in the plausible reality. Like I can, I can maybe think about a Rose Bowl at some point, but come on, let's let's all be real. Let's call what it is what it is. Yeah, I mean the stadium thing. I mean, it'd be nice, but you can't. Uh, there's just no room, you know. Yeah, <laughs> need like a good earthquake and like levels a couple of buildings. Like, oh, we could put a stadium there now, you know. So yeah, maybe not. I, <laughs> the stadium on campus is never going to happen. Um, but maybe I don't know. I mean, that one's probably more realistic than the national title. Let's let's just call really? it. Really, that would be more realistic. Well, I could see a scenario where in the future there's enough will built up to actually get it done and realize that there is, you know, yeah, I think there would be some excitement for it, but um, they got to get past the homeowners and, and the lack of probably interest on campus for it, yeah. which is at a low ebb right now. All right. Um, there's one from Patton, which there's like asking for a lot of stuff. I don't know if we can, you know, I'll read it. It says, Ute fan here. Since it's the offseason, let's take a trip down memory lane in the Pac-12 era, 2011 to present. Um, so he has like five things. I don't know if I could answer any of these. He says, one, best Pac-12 team of the Pac-12 era. We got to go... Washington, maybe? or No, I think Oregon in 2014 was probably better. Uh, let's pull it up. Hell, Oregon Stanford might be the most consistent. Twelve right? was actually really good too. Stanford twenty fifteen was really good. Stanford twenty twelve was really good. Um, let's see, let's see, let's go back in time just a little bit. All right, uh, Stanford in twenty fifteen was the number four team in the country, more or less. Uh, Oregon in twenty fourteen was uh, first, so Oregon's probably my leader right now. Yeah, I'll go Oregon. Hell, I'll go Oregon 2012. That's the bold pick. And oh, I thought I thought they were just meant like one. I didn't know if you meant one year or like overall for that era. I think he means one year, but I could be wrong. Okay. Um, if if it's if it's overall for the era, it's definitely still Stanford or Oregon for me. Okay. Um, Washington was still. Yeah, they were kind of crappy in the beginning. The beginning yeah. of this era. Yeah. Um, 1A best offense, no question it's Oregon yeah. um, in uh, any of those first three years of the Pac-12, any of the first four years of the Pac-12. Best defense, um, could it be Cal like last year? <laughs> Cal last year was pretty damn I mean, they good. won games uh, with the defense. They won, yeah, they won a game without scoring an offensive touchdown. You also have to, I know, but you also have to remember like Stanford, like 2012 when they had like Henry Anderson and those dudes. Um I mean, those defenses were elite. Um, But Cal, I mean, Cal, Cal, I want to bring up this stat because I found it and it was exciting for me. Um, Cal had six games last year where they didn't eclipse 15 points. (laughs) And they went seven and six. And let me tell you, they won two of the games where they didn't score more than 15 points. Yeah, That's incredible. So that's a... That that's certainly a, a nod towards Cal's defense. Um, I mean, yeah, because I think even in the odd years, I mean, Stanford's offense has been better than what Cal put out there yet. But they did go like seven and six. Yeah, let's see. But uh, Washington, okay, the, Washington. Uh, if you're a Washington fan, make sure you tweet David Woods since he's not mentioning you at all. And uh, Washington's had some of the best defenses in the Pac-12. 
I mean, overall over that time frame, maybe they're up there, but they've they've had some really good ones too. Yeah, you could talk me into Washington. That's that's fine. Um, I would say Stanford twenty twelve had a really good defense. Stanford twenty fourteen had a super elite defense. Um, and let's see. In and then Washington's defense was at its best, I think, in twenty sixteen, and it was fourth. So, yeah, give me Washington twenty sixteen or Stanford twenty fourteen. Yeah. All right. Uh, what about the most exciting offense or defensive player over that time? Oh boy! I know it's so tough because there's like there's a lot. Khalil Tate for a month and a half. I was gonna say like Tate's like six week run might be. I mean, you can't beat it, but it wasn't there like for the whole year, like a Christian McCaffrey maybe or something. I mean, but it's, I mean, Marcus Mariota, like, I don't know. Like there, I mean, when he won the Heisman, like he was pretty exciting, but like that six week run from Tate was like, I don't think you ever see anything like that again. Yeah. Um, John Ross's final year at Washington was cool. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I'll go Tate. No, Tate's my answer there. I mean, it was a month and a half, but it was a fun month and a half. Yeah. Uh, defensive player, I, this is harder for me. I'd, I'd probably still go Miles Jack because he did both. Um, yeah, he was studly. That was, uh, yeah, that was cool. Um, there's a lot. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's a tough one for me. I'm not really sure on that, that side. But, yeah, interesting questions. How about the – do you remember a best game? Like, I'm not going to be able to remember, like, oh, yeah, there was this or there was that, but – Probably one of those Oregon Stanford games. Yeah, <laughs> one of those. Yeah, um, the best rivalry. Uh, do we mean like a traditional rivalry that has shown up the best and the most? I think, yeah, or even any anyone. Like, what's what's it come down to? Well, I mean, it's, it's got to be something in the north. Like, uh, I mean, Stanford Washington, maybe. Like, that's decided a lot, or. I'd still, I mean, again, we're going back to 20, 2011, so I'm still going Oregon Stanford here. Oregon Stanford, okay. Yeah. Uh, um, best finish. I have no idea. Like, eh. I don't know what that means. I'm not sure. But that's the way we finish this question. Number five. Thanks. Thanks, Pat. <laughs> um, easy one the Kobe stopper. How many wins for UW? I think I said um, 11. Or no, I said 12 because we have them going through the Pac 12 title game. Yeah. And you said 13? Yeah. I had him undefeated, so. Okay. I'll read the next one, too. Okay. Uh, from Big Easy 206, as of today, June 24th, which games on the schedule are most intriguing to you? Which games are you most eager to see, given that we, given what we know about the teams today? I mean, I'm just, Oregon-Auburn is the one I want to see. Like, that's the, the number one game for me. Yeah, I don't like to look that far ahead, because so much will change. Um and, you know, whatever our half-assed opinions about what teams are going to look like, it's going to change so much even before the games start based on what information we hear in fall camp that it's hard to even say what I'm excited about. I'm excited for football starting again is mainly it. Um, but Oregon-Auburn, uh, if you had to pick me, had to pick one, just because if, if Oregon really does roll through that game, I'll suddenly buy in quite a bit more into all the offseason hype. But that's a big test for me. If 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 they if they look like poop in that one, then I'll feel very very justified in my skepticism. Yeah, if they look like poop, uh, but yeah, because it's going to depend how things shake out. It could be Oregon Stanford, you know, Stanford Washington, Oregon Washington, like any of those. 
And like in the South, I mean, the, the USC Utah one could be the big one that could determine everything. Um, you know, we'll see. There's, there's a lot in there, but out of conference one, you got to start and end with Oregon Auburn for me. Um, Bell James 74 best school calendar for football. We often read about the semester versus quarter system having its calendar benefits slash pitfalls for recruiting, et cetera. Does any one system have an advantage? Um, I just don't know as much about the quarter system. You know more about that, but what, I don't know. Do you think there's an advantage yeah, there? So, so, well, it's it's there's advantages and disadvantages. Uh, the quarter system's advantage is that you start school later. Um, so some of your games in all of fall camp happen before school starts. So guys only have really one thing they have to focus on, which is football. Um, so that's one advantage. The disadvantage is that the quarters make it so that um, the academic calendar is more compacted. You have a lot more to do in 10 or 11 weeks than you do in a semester school where you get, I don't know how many weeks, 18, 19 weeks, easy. Um, but it's it's just, it's a little bit of a different deal um, from, a, from a time commitment standpoint once school actually begins. So what you'll have for UCLA, I can speak to this, you'll often have like a real adjustment period. And sometimes it's been noticeable um, when school starts, they don't play well that first week a lot of times. <laughs> Interesting. Um, Sometimes they win, sometimes they lose, but they often don't play well that first week. Um, and they often do much better in the non-conference period, even though, um, you know, the non-conference at UCLA is traditionally kind of tough. Um, and I think some of it can be attributed to that. Um, it's It would be ideal if everyone was on the same schedule, um, but there's advantages and disadvantages to the quarter. So uh, conversely, there's advantages and disadvantages to the semester. Yeah. Um, um, do, we skipped a couple. Oh, did I? I'm um, sorry. We, we might see a different order than the way I'm, yeah, maybe. I'm looking at them. All right. Uh, from at W for Westwood, if each Pac-12 football coach was a car or car <laughs> brand, which car would they be? Uh, yeah, I skipped that on purpose, but okay. I understand. <laughs> I understand. Um, I have no idea. Yeah. Send us your uh, suggestions. I don't, I, I don't know cars that well. I'm not a car guy. Yeah, I'm not really either. I mean, I like my car but it's not um i don't really i can tell you which one i know three cars a uh 2015 i know four cars a 2015 hyundai sonata a 2015 hyundai tucson a 1997 ford escort and a 1994 plymouth voyager so we could assign those those are the cars you have had those are cars that i have driven oh Oh, I, i forgot i forgot a 2003 saturn wagon oh so I've got I've got five cars that I have a working knowledge of. R.I.P. Saturn. Yeah, I know. I think um, Chip Kelly would be the Ford Escort. I think. Nice. <laughs> he wanted a yeah. school, not a coach, but a, whatever. That's fine. Um, oh, is that right? If, if he, oh, I'm no, sorry. Was, does uh, coach. If each Pac-12. Uh, yeah, come on, you don't correct. I really me ever again. Okay, sorry. Is a coach, man. That's even worse. Yeah. All right, I'm skipping that one. Sorry, yeah. W for Westwood. Um, Liquid Ute motorcycles. Do you ride them? What type or model? What is your favorite video game of all time? And favorite game day food and beverage? Okay. I do not ride motorcycles. That was one of like three rules from my mom that I would never ride on a motorcycle. Yeah, I don't either. My mom was a nurse. She didn't really push it because I never really was trying to, but it sort of was implied like don't ride a motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah, 
like the the like the poss the what is it the possibility of having a catastrophic injury just approaches one over time. <laughs> like it's just. Um, uh, what's your favorite video game, Ryan? Uh, I mean, I haven't had a console for a really long time, but when I did have an Xbox, like Halo was pretty awesome. So I'm sure I would, if I bought one, I would probably jump on the, whatever the Halo version is of today. Um, but, and I was usually pretty good with my friends, but like, if you tried to play online then these people are like really freaking good at that and you just get smoked. But I, I thought it was fun. We used to play like in a big tube TV and it would be split four screens so we could have four of us playing against each other and killing each other. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um I uh I haven't I I, I as a man with children, I just did not have a lot of time uh to play video games. Um most of mine skew to the very old Super Nintendo games. Cool. Um Legend of Zelda Link to the Past, very good. Um I I am probably still I would say the best Super Mario World player of all time. Um, oh, wow. Given the number of hours I spent doing that when I was ten, um, among more modern stuff, I really liked Breath of the Wild. That was cool on the Switch. Um, that was the one thing I devoted any kind of time to in the last three years. So um, that was really cool. Enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, nice. And what about any kind of favorite game day food beverage combo? I'm not um most of the time since I'm watching most of them from like home, no, not really. Um I'm mostly just farting around and honestly I don't I don't drink during games cuz I have to like actually pay attention to them for this among many other jobs. Um so yeah, I you know, a nice glass of water. Yeah. <laughs> And it's good if you're like in the press box like my press box drink is usually if they have like the fountain beverages, I'll take uh I'll do some Diet Coke and I'll add some like orange or Dr. Pepper to it. Like I kind of mix sure. them. Um, yeah. But if you're at a game and we, it's funny, we were just, uh, my wife's family was in town and friends and stuff. And we played, uh, well, I played tour guide yesterday doing all these LA things and uh, jumping all around. And at the Santa Monica Pier, they had the street vendors with the hot dogs wrapped in bacon. And that's still a tough one to beat. Like if you come out of a game, uh, you want to grab a hot dog wrapped in bacon. Uh, pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, this is from Salty Utes. Okay. How much better would Utah be if we had a moose instead of a stupid bitty for uh, a mascot? What's a bitty? I don't know. Is that a typo? Maybe it's bird. I don't know. Maybe bird. Stupid bird. Okay. For a mascot. We already have the mus. We need the mus. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Right? I, I mean... A moose sounds like a pretty badass mascot. You know, they're huge. What I love about it, they should actually just go from being the Utes to the moose because then you could have like a really long conversation, a really inane long conversation about whether it's moose or meese or mooses or mice, like what the actual plural of moose is. Yeah. Uh, it could be great. I think it's good. Let's do and it. And if you're talking about when you're, if you like, if you ran a car into your mascot, who would win? Like for the moose. I think the moose wins. Like the car is going to be pretty jacked up. Um, yeah. What? So okay for a duck? Nope. Beaver? Nope. Um, husky? Sorry. Nope. Cougar? No. Uh, they they wouldn't win. Um, you don't think a cougar beats a moose? No, I'm I'm talking about if you're I'm I'm running over your mascot with a car. Oh, got it, got it, yeah. got it, got it, got it. So got it. I'm running over the duck. I'm running over the the beaver. Uh, definitely the husky. 
And Definitely the Cougar. The Cougar would not win versus a car. Um, De- a, a tree would have some trouble. It really but depends a color, on... Yeah. A color wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> so if we go with the tree, depending on how... Th- if it's a red one, yeah, you win. Um, a bear, a bear, you're losing. You're losing pretty hard in your car. Right. So if it would be... So the is a golden bear like a bigger bear or a smaller bear? I, I think any bear. I think any bear... You're gonna have some isn't the Bruin a, like even like a baby? Is bear. a Bruin a baby bear? Is it a smaller bear? No, a, a Bruin is a mythical. Oh, bear. it's a myth. Oh, so laser beams yeah, coming out like of the lasers. eyes. Yeah, with like lasers. Yeah, exactly. Now, now you know. <laughs> um, you're not. You're not getting even the opportunity. Okay. to run over the laser. Okay, bear. so the the Cal schools, Cal UCLA, we're gonna give the bear the edge over the uh, car. But I think um, the bear gets gonna j- gonna definitely. De- Gonna definitely ruin an ancient warrior from uh, from Anatolia. Yeah, I don't care how much armor you got; like it's running over a dude. Um, uh, let's see. So, what else we got? So, a sun. Okay, for uh, for a wildcat, like it's it's gonna get squished. Um, a moose, like we talked about. Yeah, a bird would die, but a moose definitely wins versus a car. Those things are enormous. Um, a buffalo would also win. We have a lot of. Mascots that could withstand a hit from a car in, a, in this conference. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, it's a full what? Is that six? Cal, UCLA. Um, depends on Stanford if it's a tree yeah. or not. Um, but if it is, so Stanford, Cal, UCLA, Arizona. I mean, a while. Uh, no, not no, a, Arizona State, a Sun Devil. Right. I mean, you're not running over a Sun Devil. I don't Devil. think that's happening. Yeah, just and then a Buffalo and uh, a Moose if they if they want to switch. Yeah. So I'm up for for the That'll switching. That'll put them in the in the in the top six among um, can sustain a, 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 a direct hit from a vehicle. <laughs> You're like, I don't know how I came up with that, but that's a good way to judge your mascot. Could it survive getting hit by a car? So that's beautiful. <laughs> um, All right, this is from Tabs UUW. Yeah. Most overrated player in the Pac-12 currently. Uh. I don't know. Like who? Let's. Uh, this is a guy, a Washington fan. Who's the Washington running back? We'll we'll pick him because since we didn't give him <laughs> enough, Ahmed. Yeah, we didn't give him enough love last week, so we'll pick him as the most overrated. Or not, I'll, I'll 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 throw some fresh meat to everyone else, or some red meat, or blood, or whatever the phrase is. Uh, Justin Herbert. Ooh, that's hot take. Whew, whew, smoking hot. That's uh, yeah. Um. I mean, the, to be fair, the conference doesn't have a lot of highly rated people. So, um, but Herbert's definitely one of them. So he could be. You could definitely classify him as overrated if you don't think he's going to be as good. Um, we'll see. Yeah, the offense wasn't that great last year, but I kind of feel like it will be better this year. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on this is from uh, the last Zune. Thoughts on Chris Peterson's purple camo pants? Don't know. Um, a, a a a crime against humanity. So was he wearing them like at spring practice or something? I must have missed this. I'm, I'm gonna, sure. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna post the link in the doc so you can look. Okay. <clears throat> pull that up. Let me pull it up here. It's kind of a far off oh, shot, yeah. a little bit blurry, but uh, crime against humanity. So that was from our buddy Lars um, Hansen, who covers the Huskies. Uh, I don't think he's our buddy, but whatever. He's a dude that covers the Huskies. Took a picture of him walking off. Yeah, that's uh, with the white shirt and the purple hat. Nope, not I'm not into it. So. What the hell are you blending into, buddy? Yeah, that doesn't seem like a Chris Peterson thing. Wow. Those aren't our kind of yeah. pants, you know? 
That's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> Those are not OKPs. Those are not OKPs at all. <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. I'm pretty good. Um, okay. uh, you're you're on it. I'm not, but you are. Um, all right. This is from uh, at BMP underscore 1972. My question, is Larry Scott a great commissioner or an awesome commissioner? <laughs> and then someone responded, Dog206 responded with the goat. Um, yeah. We don't need to say anything more to that. We don't need to talk about it. Um, Danny Wu, 15. What's going on with Chris Steele? Uh, he's at USC now. So he's enrolled yeah. in uh, taking part in their winter workouts. I mean, uh, summer workouts. There was a there was a fake thing posted like yesterday that he uh, was going back and going to go play at Florida again. Oh, really? No, oh, okay. That was, See, I was playing. Yeah, that was just guy. fake. Fake. Uh, that was fake Twitter nonsense. Fake, okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Oh, Tyler the Hoss uh, brings up a point. In your last pod, it sounded like you said Kevin King was UW's last secondary pick taken in the draft. Just want you to know there's been like seven UW corners drafted since him. Of course there have, Tyler. Um, I was doing the thing where I was reading off of our doc, which often has, um, you know, the occasional error in it um, and not really thinking about what I was saying. But I think what the point was was, and I, this could be wrong too, but he was the last kind of guy who looks like Keith Taylor who was taken as a corner in the draft for UW, like long and tall and lanky, I guess, um, which seems like, I don't know, yeah, whatever. But that was the, I think that was the point they were trying to get yeah. across, but I, I conveyed it um, poorly because I was just yeah. reading. David's dumb. Yeah. I'm dumb. <laughs> I'm a dumb person, um, and that's, that's really the upshot here. This is uh, Isaac at Isaac Abid. Uh, A-B-I-D, hopefully that's right. Sorry if I didn't pronounce that correctly. Does USC have the strongest brand pull with recruits of any school in FBS? Even Alabama couldn't get five stars when they were uh, middling at the turn of 2000. I mean, I think they're in that category. There's just certain iconic brands that even when you're not doing so well, you still, you're still Alabama, you know, you're still Ohio State or Texas. I mean, there's still, I think those brands can still recruit really well. Uh, when they're not doing as well. So I, th- I think they're in that group. I don't know if they're the strongest. They probably have, there's some of the advantages they have is being in the Pac-12 where there's not really another iconic brand close by or anywhere, you know, on the West Coast where, you know, there's there's more of them like in the SEC. And, you know, Ohio State has Michigan there and, and you know, Texas has Oklahoma. There's not really another one in the Pac-12. You know, there's ones that do well at times, but not like, all the time, I guess you could say. I don't, do you disagree with that, or is that certainly not in the Chip Kelly era? Um, what I would like to see is what would happen if USC hired Chip Kelly. Like, what what breaks first? Um, Chip Kelly's uh, desire not to have a good recruiting class, or <laughs> USC's uh, almost inability to like, not have a natural, good. <laughs> yeah, inability to not have a good recruiting class. I think it would be really interesting to see what happens. Yes. Because honestly, I mean, UCLA is the other one in the Pac-12 that traditionally recruits at like a really high clip. But he he has he has truly seen to that, and it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Uh, so I would love to see what he did with like a, a school that's an even higher tier of recruiting power. Nice. I think that's it, fun. right? At, uh, at um, Edward, it's uh... uh. Yeah, it's just it's literally just shit talking back and forth by these people. Guys, I know it's fun. We like having long Twitter debates, but as a courtesy, could you just on the replies maybe remove us if you're going to continue this for like another few days? Thanks. That would be Thanks a million. that would be good. Um, we did get one from 
Dubby Gogo. Yep, it's going to be a two-hour podcast, um, which I don't think it will be. But we're on we're on pace for under. Yeah, we're we're, we're doing under. under, and we we had some newsy yeah. stuff to get to too. So, but thanks for all the tweets and you, um, you said too, F too. you, David, uh-huh. for tweeting that out and making us talk about all those things. No, <laughs> that was fine. It was that good. Was it, was, uh, it was great. It's it just outside wonderful. that one like little Twitter war thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is, I think we didn't do this one. Are you starting with Pac-12 fan, Rose Bowl predictions? Did we do this one? Uh, it was, no, we did that one because remember there were like, we talked, yeah, we definitely talked about that one. It was at 122 so. on Thursday, so we, we yeah, okay. recorded yeah, afterwards, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, um, this is from our man Thomas, the Bill Walton effect. Muchachos, my sincerest apologies on the podcast before last for exposing your rudimentary grasp of Spanish. If it makes you feel any better, yours truly can barely order food in a taqueria before sounding like he has a sinus infection. I'm actually headed to the land of incredible Mexican food, San Diego, (laughs) next week. So I figured now would be a great time to ask a question about one of the city's most famous beach bums, Bill Walton. Lately, he's become so insufferable on ESPN's Pac-12 college football, pro- college basketball broadcast, it seems Walton must have developed a cult following by viewers like myself. It's the only rational explanation to justify ESPN's Guantanamo Bay-level torture of Dave Pash to continue as Walton's play-by-play announcer. Bill's antics have gotten to the point that I'm turning, tuning in just to watch him, despite the Conference of Champions playing some really mediocre hoops recently. I'm wondering, though, is there someone who could light it up as well as Bill on the college football side? It doesn't have to be someone who has worked in TV or even a former player. I'm just curious about what is the maximum star power the conference could pull. A part of me thinks that adding better and more entertaining broadcasters is the best thing the conference and TV networks could do to attract more viewers for Pac-12 games. Hopefully, as both of you are major influencers in the sport, (laughs) you agree. But if not, I completely understand. Here's to some delicious frozen margaritas and carne asada tacos in your honor, Thomas. Hey Thomas, um, yeah, we barely grasp the English language, let alone I, in Spanish. You can't expect much there, uh, but have fun in San Diego. Uh, lots of awesome uh, Mexican food. Lots of good stuff down there. Um, Does Santana still exist? I don't know. There's one in Old Town that we used to go to when my sister lived down there. That was uh, like this. They would make the tortillas in the window, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was pretty awesome. But just find the most famous Mexican restaurant in Old Town when you go, Thomas. And uh, I forget the name of it, but it's it's pretty awesome. They, like, oh, the one that they make their tortillas and stuff? Yeah, that one. Uh, it's great. But I can't remember their name. Cool. Um, All right. So is there somebody in football who could do uh, the Bill Walton thing? So, like, so you need just someone that's kind of crazy. Um. Somebody, for example, who might say that their entire tenure at a particular school was um, torpedoed by the lack of gloves. Uh, yes, I think. But so Rick's not gonna. Rick Neuheisel wouldn't bring the kind of crazy that Walton brings. Like that's that's so unique. Like that's what's if you hate or love Bill Walton, like there's this unique thing there. You know, his son's nowhere like, isn't his son's not like that. Like if you had Luke Walton on games, it wouldn't sound anything like that. Like Bill's bill, you know? Um, I mean, yeah, it would have to be one of these, like, I don't know. I don't know who it is on the football side. Cause there are some people in that, like baseball who would do it. Um, I can't, I don't know any of their names cause I don't follow baseball anymore, but there's a few like really funny people who like tweet a lot who are baseball players. Um, Who's like, uh, who's that? Uh, oh, I'm just going to go all UCLA guys. Chris Cluey would okay. be an interesting one. He be, He's you know. pretty funny. 
Um, it's hard to not think of former. Zany. He's saying it doesn't have to be a former player, but it's hard to not like, like you, yeah. you just go like a straight comedian or something like doesn't really. No, you can't go Dennis Miller. You can't do that. No. You can't do Monday Night Football with Dennis Miller. That was, whew. Um, maybe somebody who's actually funny. Maybe they could try that again with somebody who's actually funny. Or you want train wrecky. Uh, uh, he's uh, a free man now. You could go with uh, Orenthal James oh, Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> what a world we live in, by the way. Like, what an absolute. He's on Twitter like, now. Cartoon. This is a cartoonish life we're living. You understand that, right? Like this is something broken the simulation, and we are now destined to live in the most absurd light, like timeline. Yeah, that's what we're in. The world's most absurd timeline. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Get OJ. Okay, that's our answer. OJ. Um, I'm trying to think of um, non-LA things, but that's usually the more the more crazy comes from LA. But like a like a Colt Lyrella, full UCLA alum. Yeah. Colt Lyrella, whatever, Colt Ly- like the Oregon dude that's been like in all kinds of trouble. Like maybe someone like, like you, you need someone that's like in trouble or like pretty much insane or both or. Yeah. The I thing mean, with Walton though is he's like, um, the thing with Walton that makes it tough to emulate is, yeah, he's crazy and that whole thing, but he's also like a brilliant dude. And so it's like, it's like a very high philosopher king that you have to get on your uh, on your on your show. Yeah, and I don't. There's just very few of that. He's sort of unique um, in a lot of different ways. But yeah, like, he's done it at the highest pretty, level. He's extremely smart. He has these off the wall takes that make no sense, but he can still argue well and back things up and come up with some things that make sense and then throw in the thing that's absolutely insane out there. Like he, that's a very unique you know set of skills he has. Like. Uh, Taken, like yeah. uh, like Liam Neeson and Taken or whatever. Yeah, and I don't think you're going to find that just uh, off the shelf. But we'll think about it. We'll think about it some more. But for now, our answer is okay. Yeah, and send us some. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's the only thing I could think that would come close. But um, because he's recently on Twitter and stuff. But yeah, send us some ideas. Um, you know, maybe there's some some good ones out there. This one's from uh, Boyd in San Ramon. Uh, it's a pod question. I think... I live one town over from. The truth is, we all know Champagne Larry likes to roll large, right? Like, <laughs> uh, so Boyd lives one town over from Champagne Larry. In case I ever see him, is quote good job flushing the conference down the toilet, Larry. A good enough heckle. Mm. Uh, that's pretty good. I think, I think that's fine. Yeah. It's a lot to say. It's a lot to say. Like you're you're giving yourself a lot of words that could get a little screwed up, right? Um, unless you practice, I would I would you know something simple like you suck, Larry, or <laughs> uh, go back to tennis, Larry, or whatever yeah. he was. You know something like that is probably always simple, always simple, because the only thing you're trying to get across is you know that he sucks. <laughs> Um, and that's the main thing that you want them to know. Cause you're, when you're heckling somebody, you're trying to take them down just a little bit. Yeah. Right. And so they don't need to know why you think they suck. Really. All they need to know is that you free human, they've never met before. You think he sucks. Right. Um, and, and you, you gotta be careful. Important thing. So I'm always down. For, yeah. Distill it. Always distill it. Yeah. Distill it. Don't get too detailed. You suck, Larry, or Larry, you suck. Um, and I think that'll get the job done. You got to remember, in his mind, it's not. I don't think it's going to change his opinion of himself. He thinks he's awesome, 
like if it was a politician or whatever, they just, they're always going to be whatever lies they're telling their constituents and they, they believe it themselves. Um, and if you're going there with like sarcastic thing, like you're the best commissioner ever, he would be like, thank you. Like he would not like, they would not look like it sarcastic. So I think like David said, something simple, you might want to, you know, you could go something like Larry, could, would you please resign? Something like, like something very just like heartfelt, um, no, 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 and I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it politely because again, you're heckling somebody. Right. So instead of the please, you say, "Larry, resign," <laughs> something like that. You gotta, you gotta keep it short, keep it simple, and keep it. You know, it's supposed to be abrupt. You're yelling at somebody in public, right. like it's not supposed to be polite. And and you're um, not gonna have a lot of time. That, plus, there could be loud because he's going from his limo to his helicopter when you're seeing him, whatever it is. <laughs> so you're actually you- just yelling at his passing helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, good one, boy. Uh, he won't he, he he won't hear you of the rotors. No. Um, all right, this is from Andy. Marriage advice. Okay, now we're really getting into the subject Jeez. matter of our podcast. Oh, uh, Ryan and Dave. About a month ago, my wife and I graduated from Wazoo and got married. Ryan seems to be in a successful marriage, and I'm not sure, but David might be in some kind of domestic partnership. Anyway, what is your best marriage advice? What's it like being a USC fan when your wife is a Vols fan? Um, side note, I did get into Mike Leach's class and I didn't really learn too much, but it was fun. Cool. We expect a book report, Andy. Oh, Andy, um, that, you buried the lead. Like, yes, we want Yeah, we need, we need a class <laughs> recap, Andy. I'm sorry. Um, all right. Do you have any good advice? I've got some, some ideas. I think, um, yeah, like I've been married, uh, eight years now and it's not always perfect or great. I mean, there's, there's ups and downs and all that stuff, but I think it's one of those things where like picking your battles is really important because, Sometimes when you're in, uh, you know, that relationship, it's like everyone's trying, you're trying to get, a, I don't know, you're getting a little edge here and there. And sometimes it's just like you're fighting for the sake of, of freaking fighting. So you just like, don't fight, like pick your battles. Like there's going to be something big, like that you really want. Don't complain about the dish that's in the sink or uh, whatever, you know, like a, your shorts are left on the floor. Like that's a battle you probably shouldn't pick, but you pick the ones that are like, you know, the big deal. And I think it, it carries more weight. So there's going to be fighting, but just try to like, Pick your battles. And I, I think one of the things um, that I was told from a, a counselor at one point was like, look, picture it like your relationship's like a glass of water. Sometimes you just put a drop of ink and it takes that from clear to all messed up. So just try to, to add that ink to the water and and keep that clear. Yeah. And I think that's good from um, uh, I've got like kind of the the what couples with that, which is um, whatever you can do. To uh, so the thing with with any kind of relationship is that you also are are gonna have to grow as a person, Andy. Um, you're living with somebody. I'm guessing you're fairly young because you just graduated from Wazoo. There is no doubt in my mind you have a lot of ingrained habits that she is gonna hate um, over time. And whatever you can do to kind of you know change some of these things, like so, a lot of guys go into relationships and they don't do a lot of dishes, or they don't do the laundry, or they leave things kind of messy around. And this is guys and girls actually, but um, th- those are like not great habits to get into. And you might have a, a an idea about it that oh no, I'm just I just don't care about clutter that much or whatever. But eh, somebody does, and if whatever you can do to like start developing some better habits about housekeeping and that sort of stuff. That goes a long way. Like if you're just a guy who you know will do the dishes and do the laundry, that goes a huge way um, in in smoothing over everything else. So I would say uh, 
get into doing some 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 household chores because it's a it's a common thing for men not to do many, even in today's society where everyone works. Um, and it's not a thing that should just fall on somebody else because, you know, it's not a thing that you focus yeah. on. So get into do some, doing some household chores. You'll thank me later. And also, bonus, if and when you have children, it is great to do the dishes and do the laundry because those are, you know, 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there where you don't have to do anything with the kids. <laughs> And it's, uh, it can be it can be a really nice moment. So my advice: start doing some chores. Start getting it in your head that those are your chores to do. Um, don't get in the don't get into the resentful tit for tat. Like if somebody doesn't do their thing, don't do like oh well I'm not going to do this then because they didn't do that. Don't do that. Talk about your grievances, um, but don't you know improve you. You I'm sure you have a lot to do. Yeah. And, and, you know, if there's any, uh, if it's a good time or a bad time, there's always time to listen to the podcast of champions, do it as a couple. I think that would help tremendously. We'll provide a marriage counseling segment every single episode. If that's what it takes. Yeah. If more of you guys will listen, that's, that's what we'll do. Um, yep. very nice. Well, best of luck in uh, your marriage. Congratulations on the yeah, congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. On the graduation and everything. And, uh, definitely let us know how the uh, class was. I, a little interesting. He said it didn't really learn much, but uh, I don't know. Cool. I thought it would be a really fascinating class. Uh, this one is, uh, it's called, it's from Devin. Uh, Jake Browning's legacy will never die. The task is simple. Rate every, every Pac-12 quarterback on a noodle arm scale. One being frozen rope cast by Jamarcus Russell and 10 being Jake Browning post-shoulder surgery. Thanks, Jake Browning's least biggest fan. Oh, man. Uh, all right. So we will call this the uh, uh, the Browning noodle scale. Yeah. Um, so we'll do a ranking, but I think also it's like how many Brownings is it? Like what is their arm <laughs> level? Um, is it a half Browning? Is it a full Browning? And is it if it's a double browning? Does that mean it's worse or better? I think that means it's worse. So you want to like change? He wanted a, a one to ten scale, but you want to call it. We can do. We, 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 well, I think he was saying we're going to rank them all, right? Or no? No, I think he just he wanted to rate every one. We didn't. We weren't ranking them. Oh, okay, no, no, no. I, I'm going to change it up. So if it's it, the lower, the lower is the harder the throw. So like a a half browning is like a normal person throw. Okay. Does that does that work? Are you, wait, are you saying a half way? Browning is like a twelve year old boy in the playground throwing, or like a NFL quarterback throwing? Well, a twelve year old—that's <laughs> the same thing in relation to Browning. <laughs> okay, you got to be more specific. <laughs> i <I'm> like. <laughs> you mean like a baby throwing? Is that what you meant? No, I was thinking a baby throwing would be like a two. But why don't we, for simplicity's sake, let's say the higher is the the higher the number, the the harder the throw. Okay, so. 12-year-old boy would be a 1.5 Browning, right? Okay. NFL quarterback would be about a 5 Browning. Okay. That's fine. All right. That's good. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. So let's go through our quarterbacks. Dorian Thompson-Robinson. I don't really know. uh, JT Daniels. Khalil Tate. um, Jaden Daniels. Let's just say he wins. Okay. Uh, Tyler Huntley. Steven Montez. Um, let's just say Chase Garbers for lack okay. of anything else. Uh, KJ Costello, Justin Herbert, um, Jake Luton. Yeah. Um, Jacob Eason. 
Sure. And uh, uh, Gage Gabrud. I don't even know what he throws like. I don't know. Yeah. You know, there's there's not an so if I'm if I'm thinking about the noodliest in this bunch, I mean it's a conversation probably between. I, having not seen Gabrud, I'm I'm not going to make an opinion there, but Luton, Garbers, and Daniels for me. What, what, the first one is who? I would say Luton, Garbers, or Daniels, or not sorry, uh, JT Daniels would be my um See, my noodle. I'm not in the noodley of Daniels thing as you are, uh, but like when I saw him in in and DTR in high school, like I thought JT threw a harder ball, but I think you're. That's that. So I, 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 and I do not mean to, to, I don't say this lightly. Uh, you are smoking rocks, <laughs> like absolute rocks. Dorian Thompson Robinson only throws rockets. He has absolutely no touch in the world, but he just throws rockets. He will throw it through somebody. He's like maybe two or three on this he list. Was, he, to uh, me, he's like a 1.2 on the Browning, you know, like he's almost the Browning level. You are high on life and crack cocaine. I was hoping for this kind of reaction. My goodness. That that was a steaming pile of take right there. I just wanted to get Um, your, your, uh, you know, get the juices flowing. You said you didn't really have it at the beginning. Honestly, so honestly, what I would say here is there's not a single person on this who is a browning. Uh, no, they're all they are all they are all above Browning. I would say Garbers is probably like a one point five for me. Uh, Luton probably like a one point five. Uh, JT Daniels like a two. Um, Khalil Tate throws a hard ball. Actually, he does. Um, you you could he threw those deep balls really well. Um, yeah, he's probably like a three, three and a half maybe. I don't know. A uh, Jaden Daniels is. Um, I don't know. I don't know him well enough. I, Do you have a thought? No. I I thought he threw a – I would – I mean, I'm just guessing like a two and a half to three. I think he throws it pretty well. Um, but I'd, I'd put a Tyler Huntley in like a three, three and a half yeah. range. Um, like a Herbert's like KG a four Cost- probably. Like Costello's probably a three and a half yeah. then. Um, Herbert's a four. Eason's probably around a four. Uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson's probably around a yeah. four. Montez is around a four. Like they, those guys all throw it pretty hard. Yeah. Um, and then Gabrud, I just have no idea. But no one's like a real a Jake Browning level, I would say. No, no. There I think know. JT Daniels has a shot. You know, if he <laughs> if he takes a hit to the shoulder at some point, he could he could he could arrive at, at Browning. Nice. At Browning levels here pretty quick. Man. So you really think wow. DTR has a strong arm? Huh? All right, that's fine. Wow. <laughs> He was he would when he would miss though it was like it was like it was too hot like a lot of times when you'd see him in, in the high yeah, school. Yeah, no, stuff. I mean it, he has he has no other speed. He's like um I'm gonna throw out a reference. He's like uh Jared Washburn uh back in Angels days where he would only only throw fastballs. Yeah. Only. He had no other pitch. None. Uh, there was one other guy, oh, I forget who I covered, but there was just no I forget this quarterback, but we were cut him in high school. Just there was no touch. It was just always just, you know, they look pretty, but then sometimes it would be like a little screen pass, and you're like hitting the guy in the ankles. You're like, what is that? Um, I'm not saying yeah. that's DTR, but he, you know, he did. He would he would throw the ball pretty hard. Yeah. Um. Right, you're next, I guess. All right. So this is uh, from Brian. 
Uh, Pac-12 era questions. All right, so some of these are going to repeat, but maybe we can answer some of the ones that are not. Um, Dave and Ryan, I've been listening to the show for about three years now. Huge fan of Dave's sarcastic wit and Ryan's often fruitless attempts to rein Dave in. <laughs> I sent this in on Twitter as well, but with the Pac-12 now, what, eight, nine seasons old, I thought I would ask some questions about the era and keep it short so you guys don't have to complain about reading too many words. My nominees are in parentheses. Okay, so we'll read off his nominees, and then he asked a couple more questions. Um Best team of the Pac-12 era, um, he was thinking 2011 or 2012 Oregon. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, the last two Chip Kelly teams. Uh, best offense, he said 2014 Oregon, which was my answer. Um, best defense, he went 2012 Stanford, which was good, but 2014 Stanford was probably a little bit better. And 2016 Washington, I think, was better than 2018 Washington. Uh, but he, his picks were 2012 Stanford and 2018 Washington. Okay. Uh, best offensive player, Mariota, I think that's right. Um Best defensive player, he said, um, this one's tougher. DeForest Buckner was really good. Miles Jack is another good nominee. Adoree Jackson was pretty good. Yeah, Jack. so, so Jackson won the Thorpe, but I don't think he should have won the Thorpe, but he did, like, it was a lot of the special teams and stuff. But DeForest Buckner was a freaking stud. I mean, all those guys, all good nominations, I'd say. Yeah. Most exciting player, he was thinking either Mariota or McCaffrey. I'd say no on McCaffrey. Um, I think he was very exciting, but I think he's a cut below some of these other guys. Really? You got to remember with McCaffrey, he he got a lot of yards from just like returning every goddamn kick. But man, um, he did some crazy stuff with the ball in his hand. Like I don't... he did, but it was a it was a, I don't know. It was volume. Um, I, again, I was more excited by a month and a half of Khalil Tate than probably anything Christian McCaffrey did. And yeah, maybe that's a hot take. Maybe our two Stanford listeners are going to find that insulting. Yeah, I get it. Um, and I hope you both send strongly worded emails that are very, very well written. Right. Um, but, uh, no, I, I, he's a cut below for me. I think he's really good, but I don't think he's my, uh, I mean, look at what Bryce Love did right after him. Bryce Love was like averaging like nine yards a carry that year right after him. Like that was crazy. Yeah. That was crazy. But then he kind of came back down to earth and. Well, he got crushed because he had too much usage, yeah. but anyway. But McCaffrey never got right, crushed. Best... So he just kept doing it. That's a good point. He's still doing good it point. in the NFL. So. We'll, we'll call him Steady. Steady Christian McCaffrey. He's like um, the last... He's like <laughs> the exact opposite of Steady. Okay. <laughs> uh, best rivalry. Early, I would have said Oregon-Stanford. Lately, USC-Utah has been good, as has been Stanford-Washington. Yeah, I think that's fair. They're yeah. all three in the conversation. Uh, best craziest finish to a game. Um, I don't remember any games. Uh, it's really hard. I don't like some people are just really good at, Oh, you remember the 2013 blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, uh, I could go read up on it. Oh yeah. Okay. I remember that. But like recalling something, um, but there, and there's a lot of great Pac-12 after dark games. Um, worst play for this. I nominate Kaylin Clay dropping the ball against Oregon from my beloved youths. Wasn't there an Oregon one who did it too? Like another org, an Oregon player who did this. I think so. What was, what game was that? Was that a Washington uh, game or was that? I think it might have been. Yeah. This was a thing for a while. Um, oh, uh, how about the Jail Mary? Or is that the <laughs> yeah. best play? Like That was the best play. That could be the best play. <laughs> um, the, that was Arizona State's uh-uh. like uh, Hail Mary to beat USC where Hayes Pilar didn't really do anything. They just kind of let, uh, let him catch the ball. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, 
I'm trying to remember the circumstances. I think there was a pick in the Pac-12 title game in 2012 by Brett Hundley that that drove me insane, and also the decision to kick a 53-yard field goal in the rain to try to win that game or tie it by Jim Mora uh, also drove me a little insane as a 2012 human being, Uh, but those were not worst plays by anyone else's objective standards. Um, Best game, USC-Utah 2016 or USC-Utah 2017 or two I'm familiar with. yeah, Utah plays a lot of close games with everyone, so they are probably they probably got a lot of good games in them. Um, but I would still go; it's one of the Oregon Stanford uh, knockdown dragouts. Yeah, or the the uh, probably the maybe this is I, this is clearly the best game. The uh, Washington Cal game from last year was very very good. <laughs> right? No. Uh, the cheese it bowl. No what about that one? Yeah, the the cheese it bowl was really was awesome. where it was. Um, that was that was the best football game I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so bad. Um, all right, this is from we got the last questions from Joshua. This is not the last question. There are two more. After there this. is. Did I yep. not? Oh well, this is the last one. I'll I'll refresh it. My trumpet return. Uh, this is from Joshua. Hey Ryan and Dave, this is Joshua, your loyal listener from Arkansas. I haven't written in this year because I was diagnosed with testicular cancer in January. I'm very sorry to hear that, Joshua. Uh, Thankfully, one nut removed and three rounds of chemo (laughs) later, I am cancer-free. Well, congratulations. Hold on. Congratulations, Joshua. uh, I'm very happy. I am actually very happy to hear that. I think, uh, I thought I had some, oh, here we go. Some cheers for you, uh, Joshua. Sorry, I I couldn't find it right away. Um, so he says, uh, I've been catching up on the podcast since I've been healthy and really enjoyed the episodes highlighting each school during the off season. Also, I'm proud to learn that I am now in the PAC 12 footprint since Arkansas little rock is in the conference for wrestling. Very good. Uh, that's nice. Uh, those West coast boys better watch out for the little rock guys with the country strength. It's a real thing. My question is for Dave. What leagues are UCLA looking at? Uh, I'm sorry, what leagues are UCLA looking to play football in this year? Because they're about five injuries away from having to play eight-man football with the complete lack of scholarship players they have on the roster. Do they have eight-man in California? And how is this year's recruiting class looking for Chip Kelly? How close is he to once again writing personal checks to handlers to getting some guys to Westwood? Thanks. And if I offended Bernie by writing the word nut, then I'm sorry. Just kidding. Lighten up, Bernie. Love you guys from Joshua. Thank you, Joshua, and I'm very glad to hear uh, about uh, you beating cancer. That's great. Yeah. Great news. Um, all right, so uh, <laughs> they do have eight-man in California. They do. Um, now, do they have it at the FBS level? I do not know. I, so they might have to drop down to like low-level high school play, <laughs> but frankly, three and nine last year, was it that different from low-level high school play? Um, so the roster situation has gotten a smidge better um since uh since i was really railing against it a few months ago but it's still not great they're just a hair over 70 scholarships for next year um so not great um and you know if they have really any injuries on the offensive line things get ugly pretty quick uh this year's recruiting class is i would say they're expending a little bit more effort than they did last year but um i don't expect this to look like a traditional ucla class still um, I would once again be kind of surprised if they ended up with a top 25 class, which is you do that back to back years at UCLA where you don't get a top 25 class. You're 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 not really doing great. Uh, you're not really 
you're not really taking advantage of the uh, opportunity there. So um, I don't think he's going to write personal checks to handlers to get some guys to Westwood because, um, you know, maybe that's a little too much effort. Like writing a check is kind of a pain in the butt these days, you know? And, you know, if you're not like calling a bunch of kids, like you're probably like on the effort train. <laughs> like, no, we're not sending checks. No, that would take no. a lot. of yeah. So a little too much work, a little too much. work. Nice. Yeah. But that, I mean, that's, we talked about that before the whole point of bringing like a chip Kelly to a UCLA is to say, Oh, that great system with better players. But it's sort of like, well, where's the, the better players part? Like, is that, is that coming? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, This next one is from my actual brother, Brian. Um, Thursday night football. Uh, Do you hate or just strongly dislike the ridiculous Pac-12 weeknight football games? Yeah. Um, I think I would say strongly dislike. Mostly because it's not like some of what the other conferences do where it's, they'll put real games on Thursday or Friday night. Like real games that mean something. Um, you know, it might be Washington, Stanford, and it gets preempted by truck racing, you know, that, that sort of thing. Like that, I think the big 10 has Ohio state playing a, a Friday or, th- or like a weekday game this year, but they're playing like Rutgers. you like, so it's not like of consequence, but even the, you know, I thought for a while, like Michigan, Ohio state, those teams wouldn't play the weeknight games. Like they, everyone plays them in the pac 12. But I think they've started to have some of those teams play them. They're just not games that really mean anything. Where in the Pac-12, they seem to actually mean something. So that's why I probably would strongly dislike them. Yeah, and if I still lived on the West Coast, I wouldn't mind them at all. Um, I, I liked them just fine. Um, but as a as an East Coaster, I hate them. I hate them so much. <laughs> I hate them forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I have to wake up in the morning, the next morning, invariably, and go to work. And it's horrible. And I hate it. And I have to stay up till one in the morning watching some god awful football game. Um, but anyway, yeah. Other than that, so it's fine. For our purposes, it is kind of like, and you know, I, I think just in general, you don't want to see Stanford Washington on a Friday or a Thursday. But like for what we do, uh, especially when we're covering another team, sometimes it's hard to watch all the good games. But if you get a good one out of the way on a Friday or a Thursday. We'll, you know, we can both have really good notes on the game. We, we see the whole thing because it's on a weeknight. Um, and it's not like something I have to go back and try to find uh, the next morning after covering whatever, whoever USC is playing. So um, it's, it is kind of nice to break up our, you know, what we need to do for this podcast when we got, you know, we try to see all the games. It helps that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. The last one is from our buddy Nick. So this one, yeah, this came in while we were recording. Uh, hi, this is Nick from Cyprus, Cyprus, a.k.a. Big Nick 21 USC from the P. What's up, Brian? And Lard <laughs> asked David Woods. What the? I think he likes you, but he just likes to poke fun at you, too. I don't I don't know. Um, yeah. No, it's beautiful. But that's, you know. I'll, I'll take it. I, I like this one more than bearded fat guy. Brewing. I think this is good. <laughs> Question. Uh, who do you guys... Who do you guys seeing, or who do you guys see being? Uh, he's really worded this poorly. Uh, who Come do you, on, Nick. Who do, you, who do you guys see being the most improved player in the Pac-12? I think that's what he meant. Uh, also, what do you think about a week ago tweet uh, going out saying basically no one like Chip Kelly? Um, I don't recall that. Uh, who's better, 
Kelly Bryan or Chip if I think he means Who's the better who's the better Kelly? Bryan or Chip? Oh, okay, who's the better Kelly? Bryan or and- Chip if Notre Dame and UCLA played today? Fight on uh Nick and Cypress. Wow, okay. Proofread, okay. Nick. Proofread before you said. All right, something. most improved player in the Pac-12. I think what it's going to end up being is JT Daniels because he's going to be in an offense that like maybe works. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Like he's, I I, I wrote like a bold prediction. USC was 90th in in uh, scoring offense last year. If they scored 10 points more per game, which I think they could do easily because they pretty much everyone coming back except for the offensive line, but they were pretty terrible last year with the better scheme. If they do 10 points more a game, uh, they would be in the top 25 or top 20. So I said they they would. Uh, So if they go from like 26, where they're tied with Oregon State, to 36 points, they'd be top 20. So, And if they do that, then you're going to say JT Daniels is, oh, he's the most improved player, which I don't know if he's going to be a lot better, but the scheme is going to go from really crappy to probably good to very good, and that's where the improvement would be, I would think. Yeah. And then um uh I saw the tweet saying no one likes Trip Kelly. Um I, I Was that a former I, I player? Know. I think it was like a former player. It was an anonymous um I think it was a current player. It might have been a former player. I don't know. Um I, I I don't know. I mean, I'm sure some of that is valid. Um I don't get the impression he's a warm and fuzzy type. Um but I also, you know, I've heard that some guys really like him and they like the kind of businessy attitude. Um uh, I, I do think after Jim Mora, who was much more of a player's coach, it can be um, for some of these guys a little bit of a switch going to Chip Kelly, who's very much not. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know. I, so much of the stuff is because they went three and nine. If they'd gone seven and five last year, nobody would care and nobody'd be saying anything like this. So much of it just comes from losing. Now, is he ever going to be a warm and fuzzy type? Probably not. No. Um, but if they were winning, nobody would care. So and, I mean, think um, about this. No, You're talking about 100 guys. There's no way on any team in the country, all 100 guys like the coach. I mean, you're going to have different personalities. You could have the super warm and fuzzy coach, and there's going to be guys on the team that are much more business-like. They're like, I don't like that my teammates can text him and ask about their girlfriend problems and stuff like then other teammates would be like, oh, it's amazing. I had problems with my girlfriend. I text my head coach and he would help me with it. Like, you do something really good. There's going to be people on your team that don't like you because you're doing that and, and vice versa. So it's, it, I think that stuff is really tough. You're always going to find people that don't really like that approach because it doesn't really fit their personalities. It could be the warm and fuzziest approach to the, like the, the Nick Sabaniest, most gr- you know, gruff approach. Like, there's going to be people that like that. Oh, I love that he's just like kicks my ass and doesn't really even know my name versus. Oh, we're we're like best friends. So it it you're gonna find a wide range of players that like or don't like different coaches. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh I think that's probably the fairest assessment of it. Um and then uh this isn't really a measure of who's the better Kelly. I mean Notre Dame would probably squish UCLA right now, but that's more quality of the team right now. Um Brian Kelly though, I mean, for all that he's uh you know, a horrible human being who should be in prison, um uh, he he has uh, he has won a lot of football games. I mean, he's a good football yeah. coach. Um, you know, he he should he should you know not be working as a football coach, um, but he is, and and he's good at that in the narrow confines of coaching football, and you know, not maintaining the safety of his student managers when they're in scissor <laughs> Ugh, Yeah, I'm sorry, that's nothing to laugh at, but that was kind of crazy. Um, 
Oh, it's funny. Uh, speaking of Bill Walton, uh, there was, I think UCLA tweeted out a picture of uh, Mark Cronin with, uh, with Bill Walton there. Pretty good. Yeah, Mick, Mick Cronin. Mick, I'm sorry. Mick. What did I say? Come on. Mark Cronin. Mark, Mick Cronin. Much, uh, much less interesting name. Yeah. Uh, and it was a guy named Lucius. Who was that? It was also there. Lu- Lucius Allen? Lucius, yeah. Okay, Lucius Allen and Bill Walton. Um, yeah, yeah. With Mick Cronin, not Mark. Sorry, I, I'm not a yeah, basketball Mick. guy. I just, I just saw that on my Twitter timeline as we went through, and you were just talking. No, I, I, that was beautiful. We, it was beautiful. We saw Bill Walton. Yeah, Lucius Allen was on, uh, was on. I think two, three of the title teams um, in the '60s, just before Walton. Oh, okay, so he like he basically won every year he was there. So. <laughs> Yeah, he was there with uh, with Kareem. Um, okay. So they won, and, and yeah, they won three of the four years he was there, I guess. Well, and, and then they don't even play as freshmen then, right? Like, did they, or was he? Yeah, back then they didn't play as so freshmen. So basically, any time uh, he was eligible to win, he won. Yeah, yeah, he started on the 67 and 68. Teams. Nice. Um, yeah. All right. So my apologies to Mick. Uh, Mick Cron- what's, it, what's it been like around there? Like, his, you know, I know it wasn't the uh, huge name that, UCLA fans were looking for is like just from from what he's done so far. Have people been kind of pleasantly surprised? Are they happy? Like what's Yeah, I think cautious optimism. Um, I think it's in that honeymoon phase that all new coaches get, but I also think he's made a lot of the like right, smart recruiting decisions that kind of needed to be made. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, a lot's going to depend on the first year, um, but he seems to be you know have a good approach to the job um seems to be embracing it in ways that Steve Alford never did so from a PR standpoint which is really all these first couple of months are i think he's nailed it so far um it's just a question of whether he'll be actually able to land the recruits and coach the team but you know his track record at since he certainly shows a a guy who can coach um the question is just going to be recruiting he's never had to recruit at a UCLA level before so will that get done um and we'll see but the signs are optimistic, and, and frankly, again, uh, Chip Kelly notwithstanding, UCLA, to a large extent, recruits itself, especially in basketball. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, there was our basketball minute. Just uh, just curious about that. Um, anything else, Dave, before we uh, sign off? God, no. God, no. We did this in a clean hour and 33 minutes. Not too bad um, for really not having much to talk about. So there we are. Uh, all right. Well, let's wrap it up. Thanks for all the uh, tweets and the questions. And uh, make sure you leave us that five star rating. Some, uh, you know, any kind of funny reviews are awesome. Give us a call, leave us a voicemail, send us a text, all that kind of stuff. We appreciate all of it. Uh, thanks for helping us roll through this offseason and keeping it interesting. And thanks for telling a friend uh, about the podcast of Champions. Let, her, let your, your guy or girlfriend know. Uh, whoever that you know that likes Pac-12 football to give us a listen. And uh, we would appreciate that very much. So thanks so much. That's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. We will talk to you next time.